Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm so excited today because we have Dwayno Welch back. And you guys can go ahead and look through the, you know, the, the old shows on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. What else are we on? We're on um, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and Stitcher. So that's if you guys are listening, go ahead and and search uh, Dwayna's name, spelled D-U-A-N-A Welch, Dwayna Welch, and she's the author of the Love Factually series, and she. She is so much fun. We had a great time on our show a couple months ago and I bought her book. I got it on Audible. It's the best seven hours. You can listen to it in the bathtub. You can listen to it while you work out. Duena, I took you on my runs. I took you on my errands. I played you in my car on long drives. So I really love that because I'm an audio person, obviously in podcasting and radio, that an audio book worked for me. It also was great because... I could hear like you talking to me or the, you know, the reader talking to me. So it's stuck in my brain better than if I sat down with a book. Now, if you're a book learner, get a copy of the book, but know that it's on audible. And that's what I really liked. And I did this love factually for single parents. And we're going to talk about that Duana today, because why did you come up with this book and, and how does this relate to you personally? Well, that is so sweet of you. I feel like I'm part of your life. And that is what every author really wants is to connect with her audience in a way that is meaningful. And I love picturing that I'm with you when you're exercising and when you're driving around. That's so much fun. We did have a really fun time on our last podcast. We did. And yeah, we did. And Love Factually for Single Parents came to me because I was a single parent. Um, So I was divorced from my son's father and my son was born with type one diabetes. And so he had some uh, needs that were challenging for me to meet by myself. My mom and my stepdad helped me, but you know, it's not the same as having another responsible parent in the house with you. And I just felt very uh, alone. And also there was some, obviously most of us who get divorced, we think that the divorce is going to end the conflict with our ex, but what research shows is it usually continues that conflict. And so I needed to learn about, okay, how do I get out of the conflict? How do we create a healthy co-parenting situation to the extent that that's possible? How do I create healthy boundaries around my relationship with my ex? How do I uh, emerge emotionally healthy from that? How do I take care of myself? How do I get ready for finding love again? How do I blend my new family? How do I uh, become a step parent? How do I make sure that predators don't get access to my child, which is a big problem around the world with step parents? How do I do these things? And so I started learning these things for myself. And then, you know, once you find the right relationship, what do you do with it now that you've got it? Because it's different when there are new stakeholders, when there are stepkids, when there are in-laws that are his in-laws, but not your in-laws, et cetera, et cetera. So I learned this for myself and I wrote the book then for everybody. See, and I love that you, you covered all of the bases because, you know, for me, 
there wasn't anything out there. And I wish I had had your book 10 years ago when I got divorced, truly. Like anybody who's contemplating divorce, get a copy of this book. Anybody who's getting a divorce, get a copy of this book. Anybody who's been divorced for a while, get a copy of this book, you know, audible or otherwise. And I just want to say, Duena has paid nothing to be on my show. This isn't a sponsorship. This isn't a paid anything. This is because I think her work is so important to me but also to people out there like me. And my way of dealing with it, Duena, was to go, okay, I am not dating anyone who has children. I am not doing the blended family thing. I'm not dating anyone who has to be in my household. (laughs) So, you know, basically I had these relationships with very loving people, really great guys, not a lot of them, just, just two. Um, But that had this hands-off approach. And so when you have this hands-off approach, the relationship eventually comes to a point where it cannot develop any further. And I didn't have the tools to even think about some of these things that you put in your book. So I was kind of in a stop mode. I will do this up until this point, then stop. I will do this up to this point and then stop, which now that my kids are 14 and 17 and they're way old enough to be able to handle somebody in their life. Now I'm going, well, do I keep my stop button up until my youngest is 18? Like now what do I do? You know, what worked for me as my younger kids issues isn't working for me so much anymore. And so your book came at the perfect time with the perfect advice for me to start looking for, you know, what are the deal breakers? And it did help me end one relationship to start a beginning, a new relationship. Because if you start a relationship on the promise that I'm never getting married, I don't want you in my household and you're going to have to work around my kids' schedule, that really creates one type of relationship versus another one that says, you know what, I'm open. Hmm. Oh, there's so much to unpack there. That's yeah. so good. <laughs> a there whole is. bunch. We got a yeah. maple leaf garden. <laughs> you know, what, what came to me partly as you were talking is that we are constantly as adults deciding how vulnerable we are willing to be. Absolutely. And love, yeah. Love requires vulnerability, but there's a dis- there's a difference between being generically vulnerable to everyone who comes into our lives and being wise, choosing wisely whom to be vulnerable to, how vulnerable to be, and allowing things to develop at a reasonable pace. Well, and for me, clearly not vulnerable. (laughs) Vulnerability was not in my wheelhouse for the first, I would say the first five years of my divorce. I had a lot of walls, I had a lot of rules, I had a lot of restrictions. And what was nice is I played the kid card. Like my kids are already dealing with a blended family. If I met somebody and it was a blended family situation, my kids are already dealing with a blended family on their dad's side. I'm sorry, this doesn't work for me. You know, but I was also true to what I could do. Like I'm not saying I was just a complete no robot, but where your vulnerability is is subjective. It changes. And it evolves over time. Did you find that? Absolutely. You know, and, and you, I'm not going to say you were wrong. 
about the the choices and decisions you made when your kids were little. Dwayne, I'm just going to jump in for a second because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor has supported the military community through Military Mom Talk Radio by sponsoring these shows. Our sponsor today is Best Fiends, and it is a super fun puzzle game. I've been playing it for over a year now. I play it with my friends and family all over, and it reminds me of... Summer days, sitting on my lake when I was a little girl with my feet in the water and the sun is shining, and you just feel happy. And as things get back to normal this summer, like family vacations are happening and date nights at your favorite restaurants, that feeling is what you get from playing Best Fiends. And You know, once I started playing Best Fiends, I couldn't stop because there was always something new and fun and exciting. They had this little fiend Dependence Day, you know, because it's Best Fiends, and they have these little characters that are, kind of have fangs, and they're super cute, and the music is nice, and the puzzles are fun to solve. They're not so hard that they're frustrating, and there's something new every day, and I'm on level 293 right now, and it's a hard one, so I've been playing it a couple times just to get past that, and these challenges, they are just like a little bit of brain candy, and then you solve them, and they go, woo, yay, and you feel like you just did something really great, even though you're only folding laundry or sitting in the car waiting to pick up your kids. So I really encourage you guys to download this, and the really fun part of Best Fiends is how you strategically team up with each character based on their special abilities, and you get extra points, and you feel like really smart and cool, and you get to level up your fiends, and there's so much to love about this game, so give it a try. I know you will love it as much as I do. So download the five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends Free Today, on the App Store or at Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends, friends without the R, you'll be glad you did. It is super fun, and it's like a happy sunny day right in your pocket when you pull out your phone and play a few rounds. So we're talking today with Duana Welch and how to navigate some of these dating things that get in the way of, you know, raising a happy, healthy family. And as a single parent, Duena, I really love all the things you have to say. And you want to tell me about a study. There's a study that you want to tell me about this Judith lady. Tell us about that. Judith Wallerstein did a 25-year study. She intended, Hmm. Dr. Wallerstein intended originally in, I think it was the 1970s or 80s in in Southern California. She intended to study preschool kids adjusting to divorce for, I think it was one or two years. And then they still weren't well adjusted. So she got the grant extended for another year. The grant was extended for 25 years and the kids still weren't adjusted. And what she wound up saying about that was that she believes that children could adjust to just one divorce. The problem was that out of her entire sample of more than 100 children who by the end of the study were adults, out of that whole sample, only one of them was called upon to get over just the parents' divorce. The rest of them had to get over boyfriends that lived with moms. The the common scenario is that women wind up allowing men to move in with them or moving in with men. They don't get married. There are, by the way, uh, Dr. Linda Waite found very high rates of maternal depression. Another study found that 100% of the divorced women who attempted suicide in their sample over a 20 year span of time were divorced women who were single parents who had had casual sex. So 
when you're a single mother, especially moving in without benefit of permanent commitment, marriage, uh, having sex that's casual sex, those things actually are more emotionally dangerous to you than they would have been if you weren't a single parent, if you weren't a parent at all. These things we know um, are risks that women are taking. So I'm, I, I get it when somebody says, you know what? I think there are big risks here. My kids are already dealing with my ex having repartnered. I'm worried about repartnering in a way that involves them, especially with step siblings. It seems like a huge baggage train. I want to avoid it. I get why people choose that. What I try to do is help the people who have realized, you know what? I want to have a partner in my life again, but I want to be really smart about it. I yes. want to put all the odds in my favor. And so that's why I wrote my book was for people who, they weren't ready to just say, no, I'm not going to do it. But they also weren't ready to say, ah, let the chips fall where they will. I'll just kind of see what happens. They wanted to do things in a planned fashion. It turns out there are things you can do to be in the slice. And it's a small slice, admittedly, but in the slice of people who wind up happily repartnering with someone who is safe for their children and good for themselves. Well, that, you know, I love that. Like, you know, I didn't have your book when I got divorced and that was what I was looking for because I'm a big, like I teach my kids this and I'll teach it on the air today because I think it's so important. There's a head check, heart check, gut check. So when I would meet someone and let's be honest, yes, I want to keep my kids protected. Yes, I want my kids to have the least amount of trauma, you know, in their life, but that also applies to me. So when I would meet someone to go head check, heart check, gut check, like my heart would get hurt if the person was only in it casually. My head would say, hey, I don't want your kids. And you've had kids with two ex-wives, like, no, 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 you know, that's not good for me, you know? And so my head would say no to some, my heart would say no to some, and then my gut would say no to some. And when I started looking at, I was that willy nilly. Well, let's see who I meet through work. Let's see who I meet at the gym. Let's see who I'm. I wasn't specific like I learned to be from your book. And, you know, even though my personal values wouldn't allow the revolving man door, which some of my friends have had, and I see their kids get attached to one and he leaves and then they don't want to get attached to the other. And now all of a sudden, you know, we have this big mess. But I also saw with the blended family issues with my ex-husband and his family, how much my kids suffered, how many problems that caused. And, you know, when I sat in the court, um, we had court ordered counseling or court ordered some sort of 730 psych eval, whatever that was. And the, the guy doing the interview asked me, he goes, well, he goes, you're very strong about not wanting to have a blended family. And I said, here's the thing. We have enough handling the blended family issues from my ex-husband's side. I'm not going to bring in another blended family. I can't manage that. It's not about the kids. It's about me. And he goes, oh, so you seem to have a real problem with blended families. And I pointed to the bookcase behind them. And I said, yes, there's problems with blended families. Look at all the books written about them. And somebody who's going to do a blended family needs to know more than I do. Because I know I don't know how to do that. It wasn't a judgment against blended families. It was an acknowledgement of going, I'm seeing what's going over, Duena, and the other household with the blended family, with the two kids there and my kids. I don't have that bandwidth. I don't have that toolkit. So that led me to look at 
potential partners with multiple kids or multiple wives, which isn't unreasonable. By the time you're 40, a lot of people have a marriage under their belt. They might have two or might have a relationship that resulted in children. If I can't figure out how to help my kids over there, why would I bring in another mess? Now that's just me. And I think it's important. What I learned in your book and what was validated in your book with me was that I needed to listen to what I needed and what I felt I could handle. That's a big long-winded monologue about like pro your book for helping me realize that I made the right decision for me doesn't mean it's right for you. Absolutely. One of the things I'm a huge fan of is knowing your own limits, knowing what you're willing to do, knowing what you're not willing to do and going with that. Look, a lot of people are just fine with uh, his, hers and ours kids or his and hers kids. I, but some people aren't. And if you're one of them, know that about yourself and stand in your decision. Yes. That's okay. I will say the decision that I'm not going to marry, you pointed this out earlier in our conversation today, that I'm not going to marry, that I, we're not going to live together, that, that this can just be dating. That's all it can be. Right. Uh, I don't like Woody Allen for reasons we don't need to get on today, Me but either. yeah. But he did say something absolutely spot on true, which is relationships are like sharks. They move forward or they die. If you know that there's a point at which the relationship will no longer be moving forward, it's going to die. And you've, you've experienced that, but that's different than I have boundaries. I'm willing to have a permanent relationship with someone, but I have boundaries around the kind of person that's going to be. It's perfectly acceptable if your standard is I'm going to find somebody who doesn't already have children, or I'm going to find somebody who at most has one child with one former partner, as opposed to three children by three former partners. It's, it's your right to start from a place of what is acceptable and workable for you and only date people who fit the bill. That is your right to do that. Well, and it's what, like, it, I didn't have any, you know, I love kids. I love everybody's kids. But if you had asked me as a single soul supporting mom in Southern California that works a lot of hours, could I have another child in the mix from a partner? No, I, I, I didn't have enough to give. I didn't have enough for my own kids. I had nothing to give for myself. You know, I want to be clear that it wasn't anything that I didn't like kids. I didn't want to deal with his kids or things like that. I was at my limit with what I had and I couldn't see myself taking on more because I do take parenting very seriously. I do think, you know, children need so much from parents and I didn't want to be that step parent that, could only handle my kids and had nothing left to give for somebody else. Yeah, well, that's, that's wisdom. And I, I kind of wonder if you'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, okay, we've, we've acknowledged that step parenting is a huge challenge. And I call these remarriages where both people have kids. I refer to them as step, mar- step marriages. And I'm wondering if we should talk a little bit about, okay, if you do find the right person and, and I'm a firm believer that you absolutely can, that's what I help people do all day, every day. What do you do once you find this person? If you do have a blended family, the odds of a divorce when both people come into it with children from former unions is 70% and higher. It's very high. Sure. So what do you do to make sure that you are in the nearly third of people who stay married for life? How do you do that? One of the first things is throw out the Brady Bunch analogy, throw it out. 
those of you who have any knowledge of the Brady Bunch know that it was about this couple that they each had uh, four kids, three or four, I can't even remember. Three and three, yeah, because Alice was the other box. The woman had three girls, the man had three boys, and they all just blended into this seamless family where everybody acted as if they were the quote-unquote real parent and the quote-unquote real Where were the other parents? Like, did they just die? Nobody had visitation. No one went to see the other parent. There was no other grandparents in the mixture or aunts and uncles. Like it was really just a vacuum. Yes, that's right. That's not how real life works. In real life, there is a distinction between your biological children and this other person's children that will always exist. If that were not so, I know people don't like to hear this, but it, it is true. If that were not so, people wouldn't care which baby they took home from the hospital. They would just say, give me a baby born on that day and I'll just take that one home. We care about those who carry our own genetic material. We care about them more than we care about anyone and expecting it to be otherwise is going to set you up for heartache. I'm not saying that it's okay to openly show preference for your children. I'm not saying it's okay to tell this, these other children, I love my kids more. I'm not saying it's okay to be an evil stepmother or lustful stepfather. I am saying it is okay to not feel the same way. And that's really important because you can't help the way you feel. Yeah, it's, it's unhelpful to fight that battle. It's, it's helpful to acknowledge, yes, of course, I'm going to love the person that I gestated, brought into the world, took care of or adopted and took care of more than this person that I've just met when they are four or 10 or 15. And that as long as I am behaving in a way that does not rub it in, right. That, that is ethical and kind. I can let that go. But I also need to understand that they love their biological parents or their adoptive parents more than they love me. I will never be considered their quote unquote real parent. It is very unlikely I will be treated as their quote unquote real parent. This street goes in both directions. I choose them. They might not choose me. Right. That happens a lot in step families. If you go into it with the expectation that I am getting remarried because I love the mom or dad of this child, not because I'm in love with the child, because I'm in love with the mom or dad of this child. And we have made a commitment that come what may, we are going to be together. That will give you the commitment footing to do the following things. And let me tell you, this is the only way that a step marriage works. When you have problems with the stepkids, you talk to their real parent and allow the real parent to do the actual parenting. You don't do it. The real parent does the real parenting. The step parent, if you both have kids, that means that your new partner comes to you about your kids' issues. You come to your partner about their kids' issues and the actual parent does the actual parenting. And that's how it works is your partner tells you, hey, you know what? Your kid is pooping in the toilet and not flushing it. It's driving me absolutely out of my mind. And then you go and say to your kid, you know what? This is stuff we've talked about before. You need to flush the toilet after you use it and then wash your hands, shut the lid. And the real parent does the real parenting. The step parent is not empowered to actually parent. That's when people get in big trouble is when there is 
And this is where the Brady Bunch was really unhelpful. Both of those parents did all the parenting. That's not, right. that's not real. No, that's not real. You don't have the right. Look, children don't sign on for you as a step parent to parent them. This is a two way street. The children get a say and who they say can actually parent them is the person who gave them life, who gave them love and therefore who has earned their trust. You don't get to do that. Right. Well, and that's, I think, one of the things that I saw in the other household that was very um, difficult and started off on a really wrong foot because when men, and I'm just going to say this, get remarried, they think they've acquired new mom. And so yes. new mom, so kids, like in my case, my kids were left with new mom all weekend, all day, all whatever. And now you've put new mom, who's not high on my favorites list, but you put new mom, what I thought was in an untenable situation. Yes. When you leave your kid with another parent, babysitter, grandparent, some parenting has to happen. Because if the other parent is at work, then goes golfing, then goes out with the buddies, and new parent is left with this child, what choice does new parent have? I'm not excusing new parent, but in my case, if my kids are left with new parent all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday, what is new parent supposed to do? So you are bringing up a good question because you as real mom don't have any say in what goes in the household with dad and new, and parent, new parent and, and, and new parent. You don't have any say in that, right. but if you were in the new parent role, you do have a say. Well, that's it. I think that, you know, there should be like stepmom, stepdad classes mm -hmm. that, you know, cause I, I look at what's happening. There's a lot of our friends who've been divorced and remarried and new parent is supposed to fill the shoes of old mom in the new household. And that can't work. So uh, it's both and not a strict either or kind of thing. I'm going to give examples from my life. So I was stepmom to uh, when my stepson and I came into each other's lives, he had just turned 10. Okay. And uh, his mom had serious mental illness. She has actually since killed herself. I mean, really oh, serious yeah. mental illness. Big yeah. Deal. yeah. Yeah. She had very serious mental illness. So I was even thrust into the new mom role even more than ordinarily would happen. So I do understand what you are saying mm -hmm. that, that a lot of times men um, already felt somewhat at a loss to be a full-time parent. That's part yep. of the reason they remarry very often. They feel, and I have a PhD in developmental psych. So this was very appealing to, to his dad. Sure. So um, he worked full-time. He, uh, the real dad, he worked full-time. He volunteered 12 hours on Saturdays. He was pretty much home in the evenings and on Sundays. And that was pretty much it. Gotcha. And this meant that I did a tremendous amount of parenting initially until I realized, oh, oh, that's why that doesn't work. Right. Right. And I learned to say to the real dad, your son needs you to be the parent yep. and me to be your support. Right. And so when you're gone, I am not going to force him to do things. I will not be forcing him to get the lawn mowed. Gotcha. You know, this, not when he was 10, this is when he was no, but No, but you get it. But you're not the, you're the caregiver. You're not the parent. 
Right. I will be making sure everybody got dinner right. and that everybody was heard and cared about my child and your child, but I will not be doing the hands-on yeah. disciplining of this child. I will not be setting the boundaries other than if he does something that's completely untenable, or I will not, I, I will pass that over to you. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And I started requiring him to take his son with him volunteering because his son wasn't listening to me on that full day. And then I started saying, you know, um, after school, if your son is not doing, if he's not following the guidelines that I've set for my child, I'm not going to force the issue. You will get to do that when you get home. Yeah. And, and how our, did that affect, you know, the kids? Like, how did it affect the stepbrothers? Like, if that's one of the things that, that Mike has had a particular problem with at the, at the step-parent family is there was one set of rules for one kid and one set of rules for the other. Well, life ain't fair. Yeah. I mean, this is a good time to learn that, isn't it? It, it is the case that when you have biological parents who are together, they treat children differently than if one is the bio parent and the other isn't. There are in fact different rules. I had a different set of expectations for my child than, than my husband at the time had for his. And that was how it was. And Griffin, my son would say, um, you know, how come stepbrother gets to do this and I don't? And I would say, I am not stepbrother's mother. See, I love that. This is that languaging that you know, I think is so important that needs to get out there because I think a lot of step parents are afraid to say these things, to say, you know what, I'm not his mother. I can't do this. That's up to his dad to do, or, you know, or however you phrased it is, I think there's a lot of step parents that are afraid to, to draw that line in the sand. Well, it, it's interesting because everybody knows, I mean, if, if you look at, if you do the head, heart, gut check, everybody knows the relationship between somebody you birthed and raised is different than the relationship with somebody, someone else birthed and raised that someone else is still alive, still influencing this person may not be on board, may not like you may resent that you're with their former husband or former wife. It is not the same. And we need to stop pretending that it is. Everybody will be much happier. Thank you. That's, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, this whole concept of the Brady Bunch or that, you know, my kids go over there and everything's equal. Everything's the same. You know, it's not, it's not the same when a kid goes to, you know, you talk about structure and, and rules, kids go to school. There's one set of structure, one set of rules. The teacher is the teacher. They're not the parent. Now, can they teach your kid? Absolutely. But thinking that your kids are so fragile that they can't handle multiple rule systems is Pollyannish. It's, it's, well, it's not. when you and your husband divorced, let's pretend that both of you had your, your needs for adult connection excised during the divorce. And you never, ever had another partner, either one of you, you're going to still have different rules at your house than your ex does at his. I mean, different rules are just part of it. And in fact, when biological parents stay together, mom and dad usually don't have identical parenting styles. Yeah, Children everywhere, even in intact families, get used to more than one set of rules. It's okay. Right. You know, and it's okay to be really kind to your stepkids and also to have boundaries about how you will be treated and how your own children will be treated. I remember that once my stepson ate an ice cream right in front of my child who had had a diabetic emergency and wasn't allowed to eat sugar at that moment. And he goes, oh, this is so good. They're being brothers. That's a real brother. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, that's, 
And if it was a biological brother, I would have been able to step in and, you know, be, but what I did is, um, I, I said, you know what, that's not cool. Cause it is more hurtful when it's not your real brother. Right. I said, that's not cool. And I won't be buying any more of those ice creams. And I never did again. Oh, well, oh, well, you know, um, there was a time when he decided that, uh, he wasn't going to, um, acknowledge me anytime I entered the room. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, I'm going to talk to his dad about that. But also then he would want me to drive into the mall. I don't do things for people who treat me like that. Right. You are allowed to expect respect and dignity to go both ways in your step family. Yep. You're allowed to, to expect that. So I'm not saying be a boundaryless doormat who allows anything that your stepkid wants to do and only talks to the biological parent after the fact. You can say, if your stepkid treats you like trash and then they want to go somewhere, you can say, I don't drive people to the mall who are not speaking to me. You can say that. That's not discipline, that's natural consequences. But what I'm saying is that there is a dialogue if, you're, if your relationship is going to work. And by the way, my relationship with my now ex, it, we did not break up over this issue. We broke up many years later over his, his drinking, um, but not over this issue. We did fine on, on the um, co-parenting and mm-hmm. step-parenting thing. And, and it was a series of conversations where our commitment was at the core and was not going to be shaken by these kids, regardless of what they did. And um, we talked to each other about what we needed different. If my feelings were really hurt, I would talk to my husband about it and he would then set a boundary with his son. But at the same time, I didn't act like, I did not behave like a doormat. I wasn't cruel. It's a line that you walk, right? Be kind, but have boundaries. But have boundaries. So let I want to ask another question because this has come up, you know, recently with with someone I know. The problem isn't with the kids. The kids all get along fine in this blended situation, or at least you know they get along well enough. That's not the problem. The problem is the mother of these kids gets invasive in the new mom's household and says, "I don't want my kids." doing this with these kids. I don't want my kid, like where, when the other parent, the other mom doesn't have or thinks she has jurisdiction over her children in the other household, how do you solve that? Like what, what's your best advice for, and it's beyond meddlesome. It's, it's calling all at, at all hours. It's using, you know, digital um, talking, you know, the, the, what do you call it? Like a FaceTime kind of thing to show the other household, like you've got this invasion thing going on with the original mom over the new chill over the, her children in the new household. When the kid says, well, my mom says, I can't do that over here. Or the kid says, well, my mom wants to see what we're eating for dinner. Help me on that one. Yeah. So bio mom legally doesn't have any rights to what's going on in, in stepmom's house. She doesn't have any rights legally and um, stepmom has jurisdiction in her own home. And uh, stepmom may have to talk to new husband and say, 
you know, I need you to work. I need you to have a conversation, whether in mediation, whether with a therapist present, I need you to have a conversation with your ex, the mother of your children about how you parent your children when they're at your house and how it's different here, just as it's different at her house than it would be here. And she has jurisdiction over what goes on in her house. Again, stepmom is very wise not to have any kind of confrontation with bio mom. That is for her husband to do. You know, so much of life is figuring out how to be kind while having our boundaries. And this is not an exception. I, I have compassion for the mom who feels so strongly about what she wants for her children and she feels so helpless and therefore enraged and frustrated and angry and sad that when the children are at bio dad's house, that, that things don't happen the way that bio mom wants them to happen, but them's the breaks. That's what happens when marriages don't stay together. It's, it's not going to be tenable. It's not workable. It's not legal even for bio mom to impose her way of doing things at stepmom and bio dad's house. That's not how it works. And you know, the law is pretty clear about this. I mean, unless you know your child's being molested, you really don't have anything to say about who your ex dates, whether they live with them, whether they have overnights with lots of different people. You have, you've lost all your power there. And that is, many people are really enraged by that. And I totally hear them on that. That's, that's a whole different level of frustration, but you won't make it better by confronting inserting yourself, trying to have control, you will have a much happier life by realizing children are adaptable, they're flexible. The conversation that you have about your children's well-being at your ex's house must be with your ex and it needs to be a business-like relationship. By business-like, I mean the only thing you discuss with your ex ever is the children's well-being. That's it. And you, if, if you can work it this way, have family meetings with your ex on the phone, or if everything has to be in writing, which does sometimes happen, depending on if there was violence, if there was verbal abuse, um, you may need to have the call recorded, the, the state may require it, or you may need to have this over email exchange, but all of the communication needs to be about the best interest of that child. The second it strays away from that, or um, becomes a takedown of either parent, the more mature parent needs to say, it sounds like we're getting upset with each other. Why don't we return to this uh, when we can talk about what's best for Johnny and Susie? Right, right. Because one of the things that I see is this, even though these parents are divorced, they're still engaging daily over the kids. They're still, but, and it's all negative. It's like a negative attachment that these two parents, even though they're divorced and they share two kids, they're fighting every couple of days over something, you know, via phone, via text, whatever it is. And the step mom, and in the other case, the step dad, they're kind of left, you know, in this no man's island while everything is over the fighting over the kids. But is that part of these parents still to staying attached? Like wh why does that happen? 
Yes, it's because neither one will put down the rope. They're having a tug of war and their children are the collateral damage from that tug of war. They, they are at probably an unconscious level uh, according to research, they are still attached to each other. Look, from your children's perspective, the beauty of divorce is that they are no longer in the middle of your fighting. Unfortunately, the vast majority of couples continue fighting now at a distance and they bring new people in, which is even worse for your kids. If you were just going to keep fighting, you may as well have stayed in the same house. If you want the only, some of the only benefits of divorce to accrue to your children, you've got to turn this relationship with your ex into a business-like relationship where just as if you went into a business meeting with a colleague, you would not say, I can't believe the memo you sent. That was just complete crap. You would say, you know, um, in the memo, I was wondering about point X, Y, and Z. You would maintain, you would be polite. You would not be emotionally attached to them or to the outcome. You would keep the conversation focused on business. You have a business with your ex and that business is the raising of these children. And that is now your only business with them. And in my book, I talk about specific steps. How precisely do you break that connection and create a business-like relationship? And you can do that whether or not the other parent agrees to it. You can make it happen. Well, let's talk about that because that's one of the things my divorce coach helped me with. I did have a divorce coach and I did hire someone to help me through my divorce. And his name was Stephen. And Stephen would say to me, hey, you know, if he's name calling you, if he's insulting you, if he's this, what would you do with a, a client that does that? I'm like, I wouldn't answer. And I would only handle whatever business I had you know, to, to, to handle with them. And then eventually, you know, he was the one that said we should use our family wizard, which is the brand online company we use where we could put the kids report cards, put their soccer schedules, put everything up there so that I had to deal with this person as little as possible. That was, you know, our solution that he came up with and said, this is a good service for you, $99 a year or whatever it was. But it gave me that break between, you know, the other parent, because I would never tolerate a client to to talk to me the way that I was allowing my ex-husband. And that was on me. Precisely. It's on you to set the boundaries to create the business-like relationship and to maintain it. You know, a lot of people don't like that because they say, well, it's not fair. I'm doing all the work. Yeah, but you also have all the power. Absolutely. And, and that's what you need is you need control of your time in your life and you get it back when you do the work. And if you just wait for the other person, you may wait forever. And in the meantime, your children are suffering, you are suffering, you are accepting treatment that you would not accept and should not accept from any person. And so here's the shorthand version of how to handle this. View it as a tug of war. You can only have a tug of war if you both pick up the rope you're not going to pick up the rope. When they start tugging, you're going to drop the rope and say, you know, I really need us to get back to talking about what's going on with Michael's soccer practice next weekend. And when your ex says, but you know, I don't like who you're dating. I have to approve or else you can't bring this person around my child. You can say, you know, that actually is, is not a matter of, um, of legal fact, but I want to get back to talking about Michael's soccer practice this weekend. And if he says something really abusive, like, you know what, you're nothing but a whore. I don't know why I ever married you. You can say, you know, I'm going to talk to you again when we can be kind and respectful to each other and, and talk about Michael's soccer practice. I'm getting off the phone now and then hang up. 
Right. The, the, I had the three strikes. That's what they taught me. Like, you know, Stephen taught me and my therapist taught me is, you know, if they get off topic once and you bring it back, they get off topic again, you bring it back. Third time they get off topic, I'll talk to you later. Like, we'll figure this out later. And you know what? If Johnny doesn't get to soccer that day, so be it. Because you can't put yourself in the position of being somebody's punching bag, which is what happens in a lot of these co-parenting situations where you have the other co-parent who wants nothing but to toy with you, weaponize the children, and use this as a way, use the kids as a way just to dump all whatever they have on you. Yeah. And it's not three strikes, by the way, in my world. In my world, the first time he calls you a whore, you get off the phone. Right. Okay. There's, not, there's not a third opportunity there. There's not a second opportunity there. There's if, if your ex gets off topic more than twice, then yes, you can say, you know, it sounds like it's not really working out to stay on topic about the soccer game this weekend. Why don't you let me know when you're more ready to do that and we'll do it. I'm going to get off the phone now, but if there's any level of um, name calling uh, assertion that you do not have basic value, worth and dignity, any of that, if there's anything said that indicates you lack basic worth and dignity, you get off right then. It, the way you get off though is by saying, that's not very respectful. I think we should talk when we can both be respectful. Let me know when that might be. And then I'm getting off the phone now and get off the phone right then. Right. Also, you know- you And that to- goes for discussions about the step parent. Yes. You know, that goes for discussions about the step parents' children. Like all of that, like all of that needs to be bundled into that. You as the bio mom do not have right to sit in judgment of my current partner, the current partner's children and what goes on in our household. Am I correct? You can judge all you want, but you have to keep it buttoned up under your lip or talk to your therapist about it or your best friends. You don't talk to, or you can talk to your, your spouse about it. You don't talk to bio mom, to bonus mom, right. which is what I call the, the new mom. You don't talk to bonus mom about it. Um, and have I made mistakes? Oh yeah. Cause I didn't know this. Right. Sure. Some of it I did really well. Some of it I didn't. Um, but the key to this, and as you know, cause you listen to my book, I have lots and lots of exercises. I actually have a free workbook online at my website that goes along with this book so that people can take the time to do the exercises so that it's not just, you heard the tip, uh, now go and apply it to your own life. I have lots of examples where I say, okay, what's a situation? Here's a situation. What do you think would be an effective way to do with this? And then I say, here is one effective way of dealing with it. But one of the most effective rules of thumb is use the you don't have to know the terminology, but what I'm really using is operant conditioning, which is a, a form of learning that we know from decades of experiments works, which is when a behavior is displeasing to you, get out of the situation, get off the phone. When a behavior is pleasing to you, give your ex lots of attention. People work for attention. Shamu works for food. We work for attention. If your ex is having a good discussion about Michael's soccer game, you can linger over that discussion a little while and say, this was so nice talking with you about this. Thanks for working with me on it. Praise what you like. When things happen that are unacceptable, say, this isn't really working right now. Let's talk again when we can get back to this. I'm getting off the phone now. Stop giving them your attention. Don't 
respond in kind because that is picking up the rope. Do not tug in the tug of war. But when they wanna talk reasonably, give them your undivided attention if possible and give them praise. I love that. I love that. So we've got Duena Welch here and her book series is Love Factual. You can look up either of those. And when you were talking, Duena, it reminded me of the uh, Big Bang Theory episode where Sheldon was trying to encourage Penny's good behavior by giving her a reward and giving her a piece of chocolate. And it took Leonard like half the episode to figure it out. But it is true. And, and repeating, you know, the the stopping the bad behavior, praising the good behavior like it's parenting 101, it's relationship 101. I love that you're so clear and you're not afraid to say what is. And I can tell you, I've got some friends that will listen to this show that you have really helped because you've also helped me on how to listen to them. And when they say, I don't know what to do, I can say, you know what? buy Duena's books, listen to Duena, go to her website, like do these things. There's people who've walked this path before us and you have not only walked this path, but then you researched for us some best practices that can have us have the best family that we can possibly have. They have the best relationship we can possibly have. Duena Welch, thank you so much for being my guest today. We're going to have to do some more shows on this because there's just a million things that we can talk about. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you. It was a great pleasure and I really look forward to it. Me too. Okay. Duana Welch is spelled D-U-A-N-A. Welch like the grape juice. Our W-E-L-C-H. Duana Welch. Love, factu- love factually. Go ahead and look it up. Get your copy. I have my copies. I live by them. You will too. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.